I'm James Northrop with James and Deborah Northrop Farms from Angleton, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, hope you are bundled up and warm as we kick off another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up, let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we hit new highs in the cotton market this week. Well, at least new highs that we haven't seen in about 10 years. We topped 124 on nearby March cotton on Wednesday, and who knows where the market will go from here. We'll talk more about that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Herbicides are a big topic as producer education meetings continue in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and I'll bring you one expert's thoughts on the necessity of herbicides on Texas Ag today. Staying safe at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo in the western mystique of Cowtown. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas sees a few cool days since our last report. Citrus trees already think it's springtime. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cotton market broke to new highs this week that we haven't seen in over a decade. The nearby March contract traded above $1.24, which is a price we haven't seen since cotton ran up to $2 back in 2011, while new crop cotton has broken above $0.98. Cents. At the recent Beltwide Cotton Conferences in San Antonio, cotton market analyst Gerald Nieper told attendees that he expects new crop cotton to reach as high as $1.04. We've opened the door technically, cracked it, if you will, for 98 cents, and I think possibly we could even run up to to, uh, to 104. So a 98 cent to 104 uh, dream projection, I suppose, that would be a better number for, for 2022. Nieper says cotton growers he works with tell him that new crop cotton needs to be above a dollar to convince them to plant the acres this year, given the high cost of inputs. And speaking of inputs, rising fertilizer prices are putting a big squeeze on Texas farmers. Above average input costs continue to cut into U.S. farmers' bottom lines. Devon, who grows corn, cotton, grain sorghum, and wheat near Dumas, says he has seen the cost of nitrogen fertilizer rise over 200% in just two years. To grow my 2020 corn crop, I spent a total of $120.79 per acre on my total fertility needs. 
Nitrogen fertilizers were $89.13 per acre of that total cost. I've already applied a good deal of my fertilizer for the 2022 crop. And based on what I've already spent, if prices remain at current levels as I purchase the rest of my needs, it will cost me $291.94 to provide fertilizer for an acre of corn. Nitrogen fertilizer will make up $235.76 per acre of that overall fertility cost. That was Devon of Dumas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA's latest crop production and supply and demand report estimated last year's Texas corn production at 237 million bushels. That's up 2% from 2020. Statewide corn yields averaged 128 bushels an acre. That's unchanged from last year. The acreage estimate was up slightly. Acres harvested for grain at 1.85 million acres. That's up 2% from 2020. Now, the sorghum estimates in the report show Texas sorghum production estimated at 114 million bushels last year. That's up 21 percent from 2020. Sorghum yield averaged 61 bushels an acre, down two bushels, while sorghum acreage harvested was 1.87 million acres. That's up 25 percent compared to 2020's acreage. Herbicides are a big topic as producer education meetings continue on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt brings us one expert's thoughts on the necessity of herbicides. In making the rounds of producer education events, one local expert I caught up with recently is Kevin Heflin. Dr. Heflin is an agronomy program specialist with AgriLife Extension in Amarillo. A big topic that he's been talking about at producer meetings is herbicides. He told me that even though the current challenges with inputs might be making it more difficult to find certain products and the cost is up, good herbicides are worth it, as was proven, for example, in last season's AgriLife sorghum research plots. In our plots that are not treated or treated with a, I don't really want to call it a substandard, but a, maybe a simple, cheap application, uh, something that you know doesn't cost very much per acre, uh, we had 100% loss. We had very poor control. We had plots that didn't even produce any grain. And definitely in our check plots where we don't have any herbicide activity, it's a 100% loss. So if you're going to put something out, you know, we always say if you, the least you should do is a pre-emergent application, but that's not going to hold you through the season. And if you want to have a crop at all, you're going to have to invest in herbicides. Some observations there from Dr. Kevin Heflin of AgriLife. And by the way, there are two opportunities to hear his presentations in person next week. On Tuesday, January 25th at the Randall County Preplant Producer Conference in Canyon, he'll be discussing the performance of various sorghum varieties. And on Thursday, January 27th in Dalhart, he'll be talking about herbicide strategies for corn, cotton, and grain sorghum during the second running of the Northwest Panhandle Ag Conferences. There's a lot more on the agenda for both of those events, of course. Contact AgriLife Extension for more details. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Rise and Shine is the theme of this year's Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The Stock Show in Cowtown started on January the 14th, runs through February the 5th. From Fort Worth, uh, we are joined by Matt Brockman. He is Communications Manager for the Fort Worth Stock Show and uh, Rodeo. And uh, uh, Matt, uh, there was no show in 2021, but you're back uh, strong uh, this year in 2022 with uh, some uh, COVID protocol in place. Briefly tell us about that. 
The vaccines are a game changer. We felt like we could move forward because of that important firewall that's in place. So at this point, things are going well. We have taken certain measures. There's not a mask mandate. There's not a vaccination mandate. However, we've got mask distribution locations all across the complex. Plenty of hand sanitation stations, signage, obviously in appropriate areas, reminding people to do the things that are important and necessary to keep themselves and others safe. We're working with our local health department. They are providing a vaccination clinic throughout the 23-day run of our show. Matt, about how many visitors are you expecting compared to pre-COVID years? Attendance has remained pretty steady thus far through the show. Uh, We typically get 1.2 million guests on the complex throughout our 23-day run. Weather permitting, I think we'll get close to that number. We're optimistic at that point, and thus far, attendance has been pretty good. Probably as much or more so than any city in the nation. Fort Worth's connections to the livestock industry and the Western lifestyle and the cowboy way of life run really deep and strong. And consequently, the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo is just tightly woven into the fabric of this city. I will have more with Matt Brockman throughout the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is finally seeing some cool temperatures. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. 2022 has started out with a couple of fronts that have dropped temperature lows to near 40 degrees. Now, the ranch country did dip down to the mid-30s. But daytime highs are still remaining mid to upper 80s, and that's about 15 degrees above normal. Citrus trees are waking up and are pushing new growth as well as blooms. Now, this is about 30 days early. The harvest has started on Valencia oranges. Grapefruit harvest is just about over. Prices for valley fruit have been sky high because of the shortage. The remaining groves left after the freeze, though, have made a remarkable recovery. Many have blooms developing, and hopes for a good start for the 2022 citrus season are here. Many groves continue, though, to be pushed out. Older and weak trees just could not be saved. With the cold fronts, we've had several days of extremely low humidity for us. That's about 20%. This has sparked a couple of wildfires through the ranch land. Overall, though, cattle conditions in those ranch countries look good. Sugarcane harvest, well, that continues. The dry weather has allowed the harvest to continue at a very fast pace. Producers are also betting up for spring crops in less than 30 days, We'll be planting corn, milo, and cotton, and soil temperatures are very warm for this time of year. The Valley's levee system is to get a facelift, and multi-million dollar contract has been awarded to fix a 800-foot gap in the levee system near Mission. The action will aid in flood control for the area. Construction, though, not set to begin until after this year's hurricane season. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Reporting for Texas Ag Today. The golden-cheeked warbler has been listed as endangered since 1990. So just how many are left out in nature? The answer's a bit complicated. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up next on Texas Ag Today. And foaling season is just around the corner. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Foaling season is just around the corner. Dr. Bob Judd says there are some things to keep an eye on as those new foals hit the ground this year. Dr. Navin Slovis from Lexington, Kentucky, indicated at the AEEP convention that foals are most susceptible to viral diarrheas from birth to weaning, and rotavirus is likely the most common cause. Only 20% of these diseases are infectious, so not all foals need antibiotics, and antibiotics are not effective in viral infections. The virus destroys cells lining the intestine and causes malabsorption, which leads to the symptoms. Coronavirus can also cause similar signs in foals, and this is a different coronavirus than the virus that causes COVID-19 in people. Another agent you may have heard of is Clostridium difficile, as this is a bacterial infection and is common in humans after treatment with antibiotics. The same thing can occur in foals treated with antibiotics, so this is another reason that foals should not be treated with antibiotics unless a bacterial infection is diagnosed. Clostridium difficile will only cause disease if the bacteria produces a toxin, so the toxin must be found in the intestinal contents to diagnose this disease and not just the bacteria. Clostridium perfringens is another bacterial cause of these symptoms and can be very serious in very young foals. You have probably heard of salmonella as it causes disease in humans and horses, and many horses can shed salmonella and not have any symptoms, especially broodmares after they foal. Since many of these diseases require different treatments, it is important to know which ones are causing the problem, and fortunately, there are rapid point-of-care tests that can be used stall-side with results in less than an hour to diagnose many of these conditions. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Yesterday, we reported on a lawsuit over the golden-cheeked warbler here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more on that story in today's Wildlife Report. On our last show, we told you about a lawsuit the General Land Office and the Texas Public Policy Foundation filed against the Department of Interior and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service asking the federal government to follow the ruling of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals by granting a 12-month review of the golden-cheeked warblers listing under the Endangered Species Act. Ted Haji Antich, senior attorney for TPPF, says the best scientific and commercial information out there shows the population of the warbler is thriving throughout central Texas and that habitat fragmentation, predation, and urbanization have not adversely impacted the warbler population. Part of the problem is that when the warbler was first listed in 1990, the service came up with this estimate of roughly 25,000 individual warblers. The problem is is that that was woefully underestimated. I mean, back then, they didn't have the wherewithal to count warblers that exist now, and they just completely miscounted. So part of our complaint is not only that the warbler population is thriving now, but even at the time of the original listing in 1990, they got the numbers wrong. 
And that's what precipitated the original listing. Haji Antich says through the lawsuit, they're hoping to get the Fish and Wildlife Service to comply with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruling. What we're asking the court to do is either itself make the 90-day finding that there is sufficient information to show that the warbler may be delisted and then send it to the uh, service to do the 12-month review or be in the alternative, send it back to the service saying, you know, something like, you know what we told you before to do? Do it this time. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Just about all of our markets pulled back on Thursday after the big run-up we saw at the middle of the week Wednesday. We'll take a look at all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market closed slightly lower on Thursday after a big jump in prices on Wednesday. Both live and feeder cattle pulling back. We closed with February live cattle down 22 cents, 138.32. April down 17 at 143.17. The June down 10 at 138.37. Same thing on the feeder market. January feeder cattle down 22 cents at 161.17. March feeders down 67, 164.95. The April down 52 at 169.52. Cash fed cattle trade this week has seen most of our live sales at 137 here in the South. That's a dollar to a dollar 50 higher compared to last week's weighted averages. Boxed beef prices continue to climb higher. Choice up another dollar 50, 293.10. Select up 240 at 282.83. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, here's a glass of iced tea because you look thirsty. And a livestock market operator report from Sean Geiswhite, Gillespie Livestock Fredericksburg. They sell sheep and goats on Tuesday, cattle on Wednesday. Sean, I hear sheep and goats. Tell us how the sale went in Fredericksburg. 
turned out pretty good. Um, we ended up 2300 The market was just a little bit softer. Looked like we didn't have quite as many lamb deals, but they, they still sold awful good. Better lambs kind of bring up 390 to to four ladder feeder lambs, you know, kind of from 420 to, to 430 or 40 also. So I thought we got along pretty well there. Market's still awful good. The goat market was probably five to 10 softer. Uh, kind of the goats kind of bring from, from 380 to, to 450 on some of the, the real, real top end goats. Nanny market was, well, we really didn't have any real, real good nannies uh, like we did last week. Probably steady to last week, according to the quality. Uh, Billy Market was, well, maybe a tick softer also. They still kind of bring from, you know, 250 to 260, somewhere there. Might be those bigger billies bring to 230 or 40. So I thought that was still awful good. And the bucks and the ewes, we did have a few ewes today. They still, and that, that market was steady compared to last week. They kind of bring from 180 to, to uh, 220 all day long. Even some of those thinner ewes might have been a tick higher than they were last week. Uh, they had one set of thinner ewes bring 185, which last week, I don't know if they'd have, they'd have brought $1.50. So I thought that was awful good on the, on those killer ewes. So I thought we got along real well. Tell everybody how to contact you. You can reach us at 830-997-4394. Thank you, Sean, and thank you, Texas Neighbor, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I'm your host, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're leaning hogs close sharply higher on Thursday. February hogs up 262, closing at 84.92. The April up 265 to close at $94 even. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby January milk up six cents at 20.29. February milk down 39 at 2092 a hundred weight. We saw a pullback in the cotton market after reaching those 10-year highs on Thursday. That's fairly common to see the market take a breather after a big run-up like that. March cotton down 108 points, closing at 122.87. The October was unchanged, 104.77, while December cotton down 17 points, closing at 99.01. The corn market held on to the gains it saw on Wednesday. March corn up a half, 6.11 a bushel. New crop September corn down one and three quarters. 576 and a quarter. The wheat market closed lower, but we're still finding support in the wheat market over all the uncertainty over the Russia and Ukraine situation. So that helped to support prices, but we did move a bit lower on Thursday. July Kansas City wheat down four cents, 801 and a half. July Chicago wheat down six at 781 and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas down 20 cents, 382. February crude oil down 67 cents at 86.29 a barrel. The financial markets were lower Thursday afternoon. The Dow down 313 points, 34,715. The Nasdaq down 186 at 14,154. The S&P down 50 points, 4,482. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today, 
is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.